All right. Well, we've never we've never done this before, so welcome. I feel like I'm, I'm le- I feel like I'm leading a meeting. All right, so let's go around. Everybody, tell something about themselves. Have you learned nothing? Oh, good. I thought you wouldn't notice. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's exactly like uh, uh, Aaron when I hung out at your house that time. I've just been playing um, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater and uh, watching the Muppet Show. So. Okay. Three, three, three two, two, one. one. Clap. <laughs> Come on, Ben. Cool. None of us are in music, right? This is not important. We don't... A Broken Toys Studio Production. Broken. Let's start up. All righty. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, oh, hang on. What are you doing? Quit it. Quit. Is this this is the thing? This is happening. I really hope you're talking uh, to your wife right now. No, my cat. <laughs> I, I would not get away with talking to my wife that way. You know her. No, I just want to be. Ima- could you imagine? I just wanted to be. Goal? I just wanted to be here for the last moments of your marriage. <laughs> so we'll just uh, none of, none of, none of this pre-roll is usable. So we'll throw it all away and just say uh, welcome to General Geekery specifically it's a podcast i'm ben i'm I'm lou and joining us today is aaron i'm aaron he's in that's me see i'm not sure like should i have let you introduce yourself because that's like the established thing or do i introduce you because you're a special guest i mean i'm I'm good either way we could do both that's (laughs) all right both the introductions well that's like a lot of podcasts they don't like the person that's that's coming on as a guest like aren't allowed to say anything they're kept in like a secret locked box for the first like 15 minutes while everybody's right. like what'd you yeah. do today i don't know what'd you do today it's like nobody cares nobody cares i'm just gonna no, sit silently in the corner here. yeah yeah no for sure not here like we're gonna make you do the heavy lifting we're gonna oh, take great away. oh yeah we've prepared so so everybody probably knows that you know we mentioned often that we work in trello and actually organize this chaos organize and, uh, strong word organize is a strong word but it does turn into chaos and I looked at the Trello board that Lou uh, organized today, and it's just like talk to Aaron. That's just it's just yeah. one one big gut. <laughs> you saw more of the Trello board than I did, so that's more preparation <laughs> than I have right now. <laughs> it just references you. Uh, so uh, we probably should include people on that when we bring them in. <laughs> uh, so uh, real quick, because mainly we'll let uh, Aaron uh, introduce himself, but this is the first time we've had a guest. Uh, come in in this uh, capacity and uh, and sit in full episode guest for for Gen Geek. Um, Aaron, I have known uh, all the way back through high school, longtime friends. Uh, he, like Lou and I, all went to uh, UGA at the same time, although our paths didn't all uh, overlap necessarily. Um, but Aaron and mine uh, did. Uh, and after college and during college, was well, so you guys were both in the uh, college program as well, right? Because Lou, I knew you were, and Aaron, that you were as well, right? I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, so so Aaron's uh, paths with uh, Disney and Star Wars are deep entrenched and deep rooted. So, uh, but instead of me telling people why you're you're great, why don't you tell people why you're great? <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes, the beginning of every good date. Let me tell you how awesome I am. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I you know I, ha- I have some Star Wars experience. I'm a, I'm what you would call a nerd, um, and oh, Star Wars would probably be the primary outlet of my nerdiness, um, not the sole, but the primary. Um, 
Yeah, so I, I I don't remember. You know, a lot of people have all these great stories about the uh, the first time I saw Star Wars, and this, you know, I don't have that memory. I don't know when I first saw Star Wars. It just it exists in my life for all time and eternity, which is, I think, the way it should be. Well, that um, was my first question. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, 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 yeah, I have no, I have no recollection of that. Um, but I have seen. I saw all the prequels when they came out in theaters. Nice. Um, I have since seen every Star Wars film in theaters when they released The Force Awakens. Um, AMC did that big, like, come and watch all the movies. Um, and I, had, I was like, I've, I've not seen all of them on the big screen. Um, so I bought a ticket and was there for 48 hours and watched every <laughs> single movie. Did you stay um, awake from that amount of time? I may have slept through part of episode two. Um, oh. that love story just doesn't hold the attention always. Um, and it was also at like three o'clock in the morning when that, when that movie was playing, I was a little out sure. of it then. As long as um, so, the Empire Strikes Back. That's the yeah. Oh no. I was wide awake for, for <laughs> the, um, and then that led right into the force awakens, which was a super cool experience that I shared with uh, a very good friend of mine that I was working with. Um, and then my wife came for, Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens. She <laughs> uh, was like, "I watched the last one. How about that?" Like, all right, it's fine. All right. So, uh, what what order did they show those in? They they showed those in timeline chronological order. So we did one through six, and then right into seven. Okay. Okay. So so when your when your wife showed up, she got to see uh, the Force Awakens and um, M- Muppet Forest Moon. Correct. Yep. Yep. <laughs> And and she's at the point now where I've said the words enough times that now I can say an uh, an episode title and she's or a, a number and she's like I think I know which title that is she's pretty good about that um, cool. I cannot say that I'm as good with all of her nerdy things but you know it's a thing um, I, so yeah so I, I which one is it yeah <laughs> um, I've seen all the movies obviously a million times I've seen. The despecialized ones, I have the VHS where they were changed. Um, I have the Blu-rays every time they release a new set. Molly, unfortunately, sees it <laughs> and goes, oh, we, we got to buy that again, don't we? We got to buy this one more time, huh? Um, yeah, so I've seen the despecialized. I've seen the, you know, the 4Ks. The, the, if there's a version of the films, I, I put eyes on them um, probably more than once. Um, uh, including both the original holiday special and the new Lego holiday special, which I was very happy with. I liked I, I thought it. it was the Lego oh, holiday yeah. special. Yeah, there was a new Lego holiday special. And I loved it. I actually um, thought I, I was I was not misled, but I thought that they were going to do. And I don't know why I would think this because it would be terrible. I thought they were going to take the exact original holiday special <laughs> and just yeah, and just put it just, into Lego. And I was so interested to be like, is this is this going to be a second train wreck? What is going to happen? Really happening. <laughs> There's a terrible dance scene and the whole not the stormtroopers come out. It's, it's great. I feel like in Lego form that would actually work though. It like, might it might land. Yeah, you like you like yeah. It's like I'll give it to them. Sure. Um, I I collect many things. I I I have multiple lightsabers. I have a, a little stormtrooper statue of me. Um, I built my own stormtrooper armor. Um, nice. Are you, are you yeah, going to submit to the five of first? I will. Um, there's some there's some shoring up of some things I need to do. This has been a multi-year project. 
Um, but it, yeah, I, I plan to submit, and it's you know it's a clean, straight white stormtrooper. So I'm I'm that kind of nerd. Um, I have invested many dollars and many hours, um, and I've had uh, the, the the very unique opportunity to to work with uh, a few people in the Star Wars universe. Um, uh, I was able to to meet and work with Ben Burt and Matthew Wood, um, who are the original. Well, Ben Burt's the original sound designer for for Star Wars, and then Matthew Wood did the prequels um, and the voice of General Grievous. Um, I've worked with a couple actors. I had an opportunity to work is is a stronger word than I would use, but inter- have an interaction with Mark Hamill um, nice. at a, a celebration conference. Um, totally off the cuff, he was a super chill guy. Um, was real happy to answer questions, just kind of hang out. Um, cause I was working at the convention. Um, I've been to star Wars celebration multiple times. Um, yeah, so I'm, 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 I'm pretty dyed in the wool star Wars nerd. I'm, and, I'm in it. And, uh, and not just emotionally and mentally, but physically too. Right. Cause, uh, cause you're coming to us directly from the core of all things, uh, Disney and star Wars, right? Correct. Yes. So, yeah. So I, I have, I have been to ba- to Batu. I have nice. seen the edge of the galaxy. I am familiar with the black spires in the outpost. Uh, you know, I, I, I have seen the things. I've tasted the food. I've eaten the drinks. Uh, you know, I, uh, I do some things. You mentioned I, the lightsabers earlier. I yes. Did you build a lightsaber? I did build a lightsaber. I built a lightsaber almost as soon as they would let me. I was one of the suckers <laughs> that jumped in as soon as I could. Um, and I, you know, I, I went into it uh, fully understanding what I was, you know, I was like, look, I get it. This is ridiculous. It's like 200 bucks. This is a sure. lot of money. Um, and as a, as a grown man, I really struggled because <laughs> I was like 200 bucks. I don't know about that. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I was like, I, I've wanted to do this. I've wanted my own lightsaber for so long. I, I just got to get this out of the way. If I don't do it now, I'm going to do it one day. It's going to happen. I might as well just go do it. Um, and they I went and did that. Looking. What's that? They are incredible looking lightsabers. They are amazing. And the experience is phenomenal. Um, my wife came with me because you're allowed to bring a guest. Uh, and when we finished and left, she was like, that was super cool. Um, she's like, she's, she likes the films, but I wouldn't call her a fan of them. Um, yeah. And she was like, that would be cool. That was, that was worth the money. Um, that was totally worth it. So I, you know, we can get into details about that whenever, but I, I, if you're, if you're a real star Wars fan and I'm not trying to gatekeep on what that means, but like, if you consider yourself a real Star Wars fan and you have the money, it, the experience is worth it, in my opinion. One hundred percent. Well, I mean, as, as well as we'll, as we'll circle back around to that for sure. Exactly. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we're the kind of people that like growing up. I'm, I'm sure we all were the ones to like get sticks and like like make your own like right. lightsaber out of like a yeah. stick and mud and oh. like cart like whittling wood to make a, a lightsaber. So when you take a kid that <laughs> did that, and you take a kid that did that, and they're like, "You're an adult and can spend your money however you want." And you're like, "I want that toy." Yeah. Remember yeah. when they had the cardboard tubes, like from wrapping paper or something? Yes, wrapping paper tubes. Yep. The number of hands I've cut off with those. That's <laughs> impossible. Um, uh, so uh, let's kind of. So we were talking last time about. Um, pardon me. Uh, we were talking before about 
uh, Mandalorian season two because obviously there's a ton of Star Wars stuff out there. We could talk about the movies, we could talk about the TV shows, everything else. But the most acute, uh, the thing that's got the attention of all Star Wars fans and somehow has actually seemed to get most Star Wars fans on the same page, which is a Sisyphean task, is Mando, especially season two. So people kind of already know how Lou and I feel about it. That you know, uh, absolutely love it. Um, Aaron, what a what, what was your take on on Mando season two? Yeah, he here's the, I'm planking on it, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Are you the one to center? Garbage. How could they waste my time? Uh, no. um, you know, I, I, I really enjoyed season one. I thought season one did a great job of, of establishing things. You know, a lot of times in, in film and TV, that, that first season is tough, right? It's like, yeah. we got to establish characters and time and environment and all this nonsense. Um, and I felt like they did a really strong job of setting up what was what the story was and where we existed without it dragging. Um, so I came into season two with, I wouldn't say high hopes, um, but feeling pretty confident. I was like, if they just keep doing what they're doing, we'll be great. Um, early on in season two, I got a little concerned mm-hmm. because I felt like the series was playing as fanfic. Um, okay. Really really good fanfic, (laughs) well-written fanfic, but I I hit a point where I was like, I feel like we're throwing everything that a fan could want into this show just to make the fans happy. And that worried me a little bit. And, and, and to be honest, I, I, that has all, that worries me about everything after the original movies in the star Wars universe. I feel like in the prequels in the sequels in the TV shows, I feel like there's always this expectation that it has to connect. We have to, so-and-so has to cross paths with this other very important person so that we can all sit in our chair and go, Oh, that's the thing. I know the thing. It does. It does. It does set a a standard that's kind of hard to meet because you're exactly right. I've never really thought about it in that that context, but people aren't really watching to like, it's not like getting on a roller coaster and be like, I'm just going to ride this roller coaster and just wherever it takes me is where it takes me. The people to your point kind of look and they're looking for the Easter eggs and they're looking for the like, Oh, I know this thing from that thing I liked when I was a kid, as opposed to being like, there's a new thing that you might like as much as you like those things as a kid. Right. Um, and for me, uh, QBBY, things. Darth Vader was just starting the plans for the right. Death Star. Uh, he was already in the indoor <laughs> system and he couldn't have been wherever you guys put him in that show. Right. <laughs> and like, that's, that's always like, and, and to me, I, I love the just the universe that Star Wars exists in. You know, like right. I've been playing the video games forever, and you know, every time oh, a new game no comes tour. out, people are like, "Oh, or do I get to be a Jedi or not?" I'm like, "Look, just can we just for a second, just, just you can live in the universe and not worry about what Luke is doing or where Darth Vader is. Like, can we just? There, it's a whole universe. The right. number of people in the on this planet I've crossed paths with versus the universe. Come on." Um, but yeah. you know, but at the same time, I get it. You know, like I, I understand that you wanna you wanna have a little fan service. Um, so I, I was a little concerned about halfway through the season that I thought we were doing it, it, the show was doing too much too fast. What what uh, aspects like what what raised red flags for you specifically? I, you know, I wouldn't even say red flags. I would just say there was there was some yellow caution going up, and I was like, oh, I don't know what this. Um, at the very, be- you know, I mean, Boba Fett armor at the, you know, starting at the beginning, yeah, I was like, come yeah. on, really, we're gonna, we're gonna do this. Um, 
But it, it was weird because I was at that dichotomy where, as a fan, I was also like, yeah, Tamar Morrison, he's going to do the thing. You know, like, so it, it was a struggle for me because I felt both sides of that. I was like, okay, that's cool. Can that be it? Like, like that makes sense. He's Mandalorian. So, yeah, okay, okay. That's, I, I can, I'm okay with that. But, you know, it was like, oh, and now here's, oh, it's Bo-Katan. And I was like, really? But, like, most people don't know who that is. Like, unless you're uh, watching everything that Star Wars creates, like me. Right. Bo-Katan is a character that you're like, all right, here's some lady. I'll go for that lady, you know? Um, but through the whole series, as, as concerned as I was that it was too much too fast, and as big as some of those moments were, I felt good about everything. I feel like everything did enough of what it needed to do, and it was like, it, they felt like like cameos. The story never became about anybody else. It was, here's Ahsoka for one second, and now she's out. And I was like, right. okay, that was cool. It was cool to see her, and now she's gone, and the focus isn't her, and we're never going to see her again, and I'm okay with that. Um, so at the end, I was very happy with what they decided to do. I was, I, I really enjoyed the series. Um, I mean, obviously the season finale was phenomenal and I did everything I could every week to avoid as many spoilers as possible. Right. Um, and I, <laughs> that Friday, I saw one thing in another place that I, <laughs> that is usually safe. And it was, I don't know if you guys saw it, but Mark Hamill sent out, put out a tweet on that Friday that was just seen any good TV lately. And that was all he put. Uh, and I was like, and I was doing something else. And I happened across that tweet, not even on Twitter, because I avoided Twitter that day, but it was like linked somewhere else. And people were like, I can't believe it. It's so amazing. And I was like, that's such a weird <laughs> statement. Why are people, oh man, like. I was so bummed. I was like, all right, now I can't look at anything else because obviously Mark Hamill did something for the show. And I'm like, all right, all right. So um, I think I know the answer to this, but specifically for the rescue, um, did you feel like it was on the heels of that? Did you think it was too much fan service? Were you happy despite it was too much fan service? Or do you think it was just enough of like, we got to see him be badass and he's in and he's out and he's gone. Like, where did you kind of land on that? I, I think I think it was I think it was it was it was enough. Um, I don't feel like it was too much. I I feel like like the mo like the rest of the series. I feel like it skated that edge. I think right. we were right on that edge, um, but it was done very well. Um, I think it was good that we don't get kind of the younger Luke that kind of, it, that that's a little too talky. Like I like that right. he's stayed silent through the majority of that episode. Um, and, and, and you guys touched on this before. I think it's great that we get to see the Luke Skywalker. We all imagined existed, right? Like we never really, we got to see elements of that, you know, the, the barge scene with him jumping around and doing, you know, it's like, Oh, that was kind of cool. And like, we saw elements of parts of that. Um, but he was always one still. So, Fresh, I won't even say untrained, but untested. Um, that that when when those tests were put in front of him, he had to kind of struggle through that a little bit to find his footing. And I feel like, us, you know, based off the time frame where we're at, 
he would be a much more confident, better tested individual. Um, I, I thought it was well done. Uh, if I start getting into like nitty gritty pieces, my brain will probably pick some things apart that I don't fully agree with. And I'll, you know, push my glasses back up and yeah. now technically mm-hmm. I don't think that the Jedi have control over the droids. I'm not, you know, but um, I thought, I thought it was well done. And I liked it. Like I said, that he was kind of in and quiet. He did his thing. He's gone. Um, and I am hopeful like the rest of this season, that that's the end of, Luke that we see right. um, as, as the story continues, wherever that I, I know people want closure with Grogu. I'm kind of in the other camp where I'm okay with things going the other direction, you know, like right. I, let's continue with Mando. Let's see what else his life has now that, you know, this planet's different and he's got these allies and this and this, and you know, the dark saber. And I, I'm okay with being like, Grogu was great. He's in a he's in a temple somewhere, and you don't get to know what that's like. So like, he's in a temple somewhere. That's that's a different story for somebody else's book or comic book. Like, let that go. That's my opinion. Right, um, and uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm on board with that. It's one of the to me one of the powerful th- powerful things about the Mandalorian series is this is not a Jedi. This is not Sith. Yeah, yeah. And it's not even. Um, it fits in the timeline, and obviously we had overlap. But it's not even part of the Skywalker saga, really. No. Or at least not the told part. Like we we've delivered Grogu, and clearly we're seeing, you know, we're starting the temple again and we're gonna lead into the Force Awakens, but Grogu didn't play a visible part in the Force Awakens that we know of. So there's some other story there, and this is kind of there really are no other active Jedi. We basically saw everybody who's still around yeah. in the Mandalorian. So there's only one place for Grogu to go. He's gone. We can go back to the Mandalorian and see someone who's who's not a Jedi, who uh, maybe therefore sensitive because it can express itself in many ways. Sure, yeah. Um, you know, Han believes in his blaster, but yeah, seeing some of these other lenses, I think, is great, and I I think you really uh, kind of drove that one home. You know, Ben and I have been dancing around that idea for the past few episodes, but it doesn't have to be about that. We've we've it done the thing, be. we've delivered it. Now it moves on and. Yeah. yeah, you know, baby, baby Yoda is cute. Grogu's awesome, but let someone else write that story. And honestly, I, I might wait the first few episodes or the first book or two before you know, wait for someone to tell me it's good before I jump into it because I'm kind of, kind of yeah. run out on Jedi. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that's fair. You know, I think for without going it down this rabbit hole for for as much disdain as Episode Eight got from so many people. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it because I feel like it took a lot of the expectations and flipped them. Um, I wish it was a, a whole separate, I wish it was out of the Skywalker saga. Cause I think that was the biggest problem is reconciling it with everything that had happened. Yeah. But I, 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 as a standalone film, I really, Ben and I have talked about this and probably disagree a bit, but I really enjoyed it as a standalone film. But yeah, it, just, I, it was I, so dissonant in the series. I do. Yeah. Agree, I agree with both of those points. I I do like it. Is it in much the same way that I I really like Superman, but I don't like Man of Steel. Like Man of Steel is, as we've said several times here, Man of Steel is a really good movie. It's not a good right. Superman movie, but it's a really right. really good movie. Um, likewise, you know, Last Jedi is that's a really cool movie. I don't think it fits in with the tone and the direction that everything else is going. But then again, yeah. you've got three movies that apparently have no direction. They all start right. a direction and then kind of canter off to a, a different direction. Um, but Aaron, to your point of 
you know, Grogu maybe being gone and just never coming back, uh, or the, with the brevity that we see with, uh, with Luke, um, there was a, the me of probably two years ago would be so upset that we get to see Luke and then we get him for just this little amount and then conceivably just gone. Um, right. but it kind of scratched an itch for me of like, I, we all wanted to see, and especially with last Jedi, we all wanted to see Luke in full form uh-huh. and he, just seeing him you know, flying in his X wing and being in full form and then piecing out, just scratch that itch just enough that I'm like, I'm yeah. okay now. I'm okay now. Well, and I feel like it, and obviously I, I have no idea what, what the plans are at, at Lucas headquarters or Disney headquarters. But I think, I mean, if you think back when Disney acquired Star Wars, there were so many books and so many comics and so many things that were canon that are now pushed up into the Legends category. And we're seeing a lot of those elements come back now with, you know, Thrawn and all these other things. Uh, and I think where, where Mandalorian season two has ended allows a great jumping off point for a lot of things that have happened through season two so that Disney or Lucas or whoever can go back and say, all right, so the Mandalorian went to Tatooine and he got Boba Fett's armor. What happened to the sheriff after he left? There's a whole series of books or comic books ready to go right there. Luke came and got Grogu and then he left. There's a whole series of books and comic books, right? You know, like all of these books that all of us nerds bought and read because there was no Star Wars outside of those books. Yeah. Now there's that opportunity to build that universe back up again. Um, and for as angry as, as everybody was, and I, and fully admit that I was one of them. I was optimistic, but cautiously so, but upset that there's years of knowledge in my brain about things that aren't real, that now really aren't real. Like, come on, right. man. Yeah. What's, <laughs> what's the over under on, you know, Chewbacca getting crushed by a moon again? Yeah. Like, <laughs> that was a cool thing. I, I knew things that didn't happen that now you're telling me didn't happen in the place. They didn't have like, come on. You're right. Like, but I think I think now Disney and, and Lucas are at that point where they're like, we're ready to start rebuilding some of that universe and pulling, obviously not everything, but elements of that are going to come back again. Um, we've already seen some of those things come back in, in Rebels. We've seen some of that in the more recent Clone Wars seasons. Um, I think we will continue to see more of that universe building as the new movies, the new series, n- new books, all that stuff keeps coming. Right. And that's yeah. unique to, to Star Wars, I think, beyond any other IP, is it's not that you're basing new products or new uh, movies and TV just off of three movies. And that's all the characters and all the world building that you have to deal with. You know, all of the people that have read and written all of these Star Wars books and, and fanfics and comics and all of that have created this entire backlog that anybody that comes on board and is like, well, I wonder if people will like this. Well, you've already kind of done your, your test subjects. People have already kind of given you that feedback back that they're going to like that stuff. So that being said, as far as stuff going forward, um, what's your opinion on everything that's happening right now, uh, Aaron, with uh, you know, the, the book series, you know, the, the, the possibility of some movies coming out, uh, the ones that have been canned, the ones that have been s- switched over to Disney+. Plus. What's your, your take on... <laughs> I, that's a broad question. Uh, what's your take on everything? Okay. Yeah. Well, so how do you feel about the future of everything? <laughs> you got two uh, minutes. <laughs> I, <laughs> um, 
It's a glorious three-hour tribute to all the stars. Um, (laughs) Thanks, Sam. I think I think I think the universe is set up for a good future, and I think we're going to start to see. Um, I don't know how to explain. I think we're going to start to see some tangents happening within the Star Wars universe that I'm excited for, and and the reason for that is there's so much that happens in the universe that isn't for everyone right like as a star wars fan there are certain things that i am interested in um those things being star wars but there are things in the star wars universe that you're going to tell stories about that i'm going to be like eh. um i'm excited for the high republic and whatever that brings mm-hmm. is that a series that i'm going to go and read i don't know about that like that's not in my brain that's not a a, a time frame or a setup that I care about current. Now, a lot of that may be because I have no basis in that. Um, I mean, the the closest thing I can get is like, you know, Knights of the Old Republic, which is a phenomenal game series, but that's not even what, like, these books, if I understand the timeline correctly, is before even that. Right. So, um, I don't have a basis. I'm not passionate. Like, they announced it, and I was like, that's cool. That's it. Um, I'm really more excited about uh, seeing some of those developing stories like the, the, the rogue squadron film. Is it a film TV series um, that they're working on? I think, you know, I love to see a good dog fight, you know, let's, let's see these hotshot pilots. You know, I like to think of like a, like a, a young Han or a Poe, but a squad of these guys, um, going out there and, and doing their own thing. Um, I'm excited about the, the bad batch series, um, but I'm a sucker for the clone wars. Um, I, I don't know that. I don't know that I see bad batch getting a lot of seasons to me. That seems like a one or two season spinoff. Um, just to kind of cover some stories, but they do such weird stuff. I think they can get into some weird niches of things that will set up you know, I think I think we're gonna see more connection. I, I would I would love to see more. <clears throat> excuse me. I would love to see more shorter run stuff. I would love to see more. I would I would if I have ten seasons of TV, I would rather have like five two season sets of yeah. different shots, vignettes through the universe, different takes than two five season ones or one big ten season epic. Like, don't Agreed. give me that same story for ten seasons. Let's let's change yeah. it up. Yeah, I think I think that's the way to go. And your, your trepidation towards uh, the High Republic, I kind of share that, that same sentiment. And I have to wonder if, if some of it is because of how much information we have about things as far as how things are getting made. And then they start a project and they move to something else or kind of like with Solo being taken over by Ron Howard and all that. I wonder if we have too much of a peek behind the curtain because, you know, a lot of the High Republic stuff, I believe, came in answer to the fact that Solo didn't do so well. And so all of a sudden, D.B. Weiss and David Benioff are not getting three movies and uh, Taika Waititi's not getting three <laughs> movies. and all that um and it just kind of becomes like because then they shifted it to well we're going to do books and comics and and all these different multimedias but i always i kind of read it as well these things are cheaper for us to do so this will be cheaper and we'll still get content out there that's that's okay i'm okay with that i I don't yeah but i'm kind of okay with that like fine give me more then yeah and i'm okay with the idea too because i think it's important like Obviously, your 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 big blockbuster movies is where the money is. Or really, really, the merchandise is where the money is. But the merchandise comes right. from your movies and your TV shows. But those yeah. also cost so much to produce versus 
a book or a comic book series. Um, and, and I think, and I know you guys have talked about this a little bit in the past. The unfortunate thing, I, Rogue One, I felt like was was great, was a great film. I didn't care for the story, but okay. that was, I think, largely because as a Star Wars fan, I knew that story, right? Like going, I'm going into a movie knowing what happens already. What I liked about it was the character development, and more importantly to me, was the grittiness that Rogue One really covered. Um, you know, Star Wars, as the name suggests, is a series of wars that happen. But because of how they were made and because they were marketed towards families, they're not very graphic, right? Like for right. a war, it's kind of a clean war. Like someone gets shot, they fall over. That's it. Like there's no gore, there's no blood. There's... And Rogue One, I felt like was obviously not this far in, but I felt like Rogue One was like a, a, towards a band of brothers saving Private Ryan kind of direction. Like it, it Rogue One is a war movie. Um, right. Some cleaner parts in between as we set up stuff, and that's that was something that I was like, we've not seen this in Star Wars before. I want more of this. I want to see a gritty Star Wars film. Um, and and Solo, I think, was gritty in a different way. Like it was, it was a little darker. It covered some darker concepts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like Star or I felt like Solo was one of the better Star Wars films to come out in recent years. But it lost, unfortunately, because the fans were so angry about what had happened in the quote-unquote real Star Wars movies right. that they up and boycotted Solo. And then in, in sort of an after effect, we're like, wow, Solo's actually a really good movie. Yeah, it was, and you screwed it. But as much as I was upset when that happened, because I was like, it's because of you we're losing all of these projects. We had all these great projects and we're losing them. And now, in hindsight, I think that was the best thing that could happen, because I think now Disney and Lucas are being way more cautious with what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I think they're being more deliberate about their choices, and I think we will get better content across the board for that. Whereas before, I think it was, we can crank out one of these movies a year, we're going right. to make bank. And we weren't really being picky about what that story was, or who was going to tell it, or how it was going to get told, or how much money we were going to spend. And now it, no, we're not spending money on this unless we need to, unless we have to, and unless it's worth it. And I think we're, with The Mandalorian at least, we're seeing that that's paid off. Yeah, and I think, you know, um, we generally try not to dive too deep into this, but living in a post-pandemic world, um, we're also living in a post-Mandalorian world where we now have these sets that are completely digital. Yeah. Um, we can go anywhere, anytime, real quickly, deliver it, bring it straight to also, this is now post-Disney Plus launch world, which we didn't have five years ago. Mm-hmm. We have a direct stream to our big fans, and Disney Plus is not just that, that pipe, it's also a platform we want you know, to basically rival Netflix, and we being Disney. You know, yes. This has to go to everyone, it has to appeal to everyone, so we're going to be dragging people in. Uh, the distribution mechanism is a bit different instead of sending them to the theaters or in addition to, but this is now uh, something that Disney controls that pipeline. They can keep their costs down. They can digitally generate backgrounds anywhere. No more set, you know, or limited set building, which, you know, okay, maybe you like practical effects and maybe there's some lost art there, but 
you can you can take these things you can be more considerate and you can spread out a bit you're not looking for um if you haven't a big blockbuster you have to have a big name i don't think it's any coincidence that you know solo was its own movie um we need we need big names to attach to things they were talking about you know 10 11 and 12 because everyone knows the star wars the the skywalker saga we you know we don't i think you're right you know we've proven we don't need that anymore and this kind of in a way um there's a future we didn't see but in a way there's a lot we're going to get out of this that i think will will pay off for the broader universe yeah i love love the idea aaron i love the idea that you kind of see it as a silver lining of like well maybe we're getting something better out of it than than what we were expecting because you look back and like for so long we were always like oh well we have these three movies but there's a prequel uh, series coming out. Cool prequel series came out. And I was like, well, but we need the ne- we need the three sequels to like round out the story because even though Lucas was like, I made one, and then I'm Lucas was like, right. I need twelve, um, and then yeah. eventually landed like I guess everybody just kind of landed on the nine. It's like no, it was a nine story arc the whole time. Um, yeah. But I think the dangerous line that they walked and and apparently didn't really weren't able to walk that tightrope tightrope is with Solo and Rogue. Those are, at least in my opinion, those are like EU books. So, so people, but people that are get, just now getting into Star Wars and they're like, oh, I saw 789 or I saw 7. And they're like, oh, I'm in the Star Wars universe now. And like, oh, they're putting out another Star Wars movie. And Disney and the moviegoer, I think, were both like, oh, this is going to be as big of a spectacular and, and all the money that those other movies made. And it's like, and maybe I set the bar too low and just step over it. But I expected those two movies to be EU just icing on the cake. And, but you're right though. I mean, I think solo, I I think it was solo was $193 million budget, some somewhere on there. And they made like 318. So the movie didn't lose money. I mean, we're not talking about, we're not talking Percy Jackson here. The movie made money, but Disney goes, yeah, but this made whatever, a hundred some odd million dollars. And the other movies made an order of magnitude more made billions. So, yeah. so Disney's like, that's not worth our time. So, you know, it's that right. dangerous line they walk. And I think people had the wrong expectations going into the movies. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think we're already seeing how Disney is playing that project a little bit in that, you know, we, we've, Disney has announced the, the rogue squadron film and we've already said, Oh, Patty Jenkins is doing that, right? Like, right. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a big director that you like, and she's going to do this thing. You, you, you guys are like her. You still be good. You know, like we're already starting to put that stuff in there, and and while we don't know what the project is, we're already saying oh, Taika Waititi's going to do a movie. You guys like that guy, right? He's going to make a movie. It'll be it's the guy you like doing things that you like. And you but know, I like that you, emphasis, right? Uh, yeah. And like, I, oh, it, it, I here's here's a Luke. We're going to parade him around again. No, yeah. I, no, here's a real person you like doing mm-hmm. a project mm-hmm. of your fiction. Well, and we're, you know, I, so I think we're seeing some of those elements already that, that, that Disney and Lucas are being cautious about what information they release and how they're going to do, you know, we're going to do an Obi-Wan movie that everybody wants to do. And we're going to use Ewan McGregor, which everybody really like, here's two things you like together again, like you wanted that, you know? Um, but I, you know, I, I also think it's interesting that there's, there's a lot of stuff that we that, that Disney has announced that we don't know, you know, what that means. Uh, you know, obviously there's, there's a new Ahsoka show, whatever that's going to be. Um, Rangers of the new Republic. It's a live action series. Okay. Wh- what are they doing? We don't, I mean, like, Oh, Ranger. I don't know what that's about. Yeah. Um, the, you know, 
Lando TV series. Cool. He's he's a fun guy. I, all right. What? Where does this take place? When does this happen? I don't know. Um, the new uh, Andor show on Disney Plus. I think that'll be interesting. I I'm expecting that to be much darker, based off the little bit we learn about him in Rogue One. Like he's not an up. You know, we no, not at all. Think of like, you know, the Empire, bad guys, dark, evil, the Rebellion, good guys, helping. I think this is gonna really get into that good versus evil thing a little bit. Like, like, are you good when you're going to such bad lengths to get good stuff out of it? Um, I Star Wars tackle that at some point in a in a good way. They have not managed to really hit that. Yeah, can't uh, bite can do jump in a leak. <laughs> right. Well, and what's interesting is that you know at, at the beginning of Rogue One, when we meet Andor and he meets his contact and then kills him. Spoiler alert! Um, kills him and then escapes. We're like, that was a super evil move. Like he straight up murdered that guy, and then we never come back to it again. We're just like, oh, he's got a troubled history. That guy, right? Um, so I like that we're gonna said, right. This is, yeah. this is Star Wars. These are war movies, and there's yeah. it, they, there's it's never so clear cut good and evil. Mm-mm. So, so having some of that gray morality will be interesting. I'm hoping to see a little darkness there. Um, the new show they've announced, The Acolyte, which I don't know. Sure. <laughs> well, I think the sounds thing like Sounds like a bad guy. Yeah. I, don't know. I think the thing that ties a lot of this together is, and I guess where my my apprehension is coming, uh, much like you with the High Republic, and then hearing all these TV shows, is I I have to wonder if they're going to have a consistent feel, and that's the one thing that like yeah. the as much as you know we we give uh, Lucas a bunch of shit uh, for how much he's trying to update things. At least he had a fairly clear idea of what he wanted to tell. You know, four, five, six is consistently that is that story movie to movie if you take somebody that doesn't really know the movies and just drop them in the middle of any one of those they're like well this is original trilogy but i have no idea what it is same with one two and three it's like those are like them or not it's very thematically the same throughout the whole thing and then you've got seven eight nine and nothing against kathleen kennedy but you know i think she probably does a good job from a like a ceo perspective but from a corrective uh, creative director uh, aspect of things. Seven eight nine seemed like it was all reactionary, and I think what you see with you know Favreau and Filoni, particularly Filoni, is he seems to have a very clear idea of no, this is the story I want to tell. Like, and to your yeah. point of bringing in characters before for cameos, it's like we'll bring those characters in, but here's the story that we're going to tell. Um, and I think, I think a lot of Star Wars people, at least me, uh, I I just want a consistent direction. Don't be reactionary to what we want because we're all fickle Star Wars fans. Rise oh, yeah. up, rise above what we want, and make something even better than we want. And that seems to be what what Mando has has given us. Yeah. Well, well and I think when when I talk to, to people about my opinions of of all nine movies, the Skywalker saga, essentially the way I look at it is it, the original trilogy. You have three individual good films and one good story throughout. Mm-hmm. The prequels to me are one good story throughout, three mediocre films. Like okay. mm-hmm. one, two, and three aren't great individual stories, but as a as a series, they work very well. 
seven, eight, nine, I feel are the opposite. Each of them individually is a good movie. Right. But they do not tell a connected story. And I think that's that's where they really faltered. And I agree with you, Ben. I don't I'm not part of the corporate structure. I don't know if that is directly Kathleen Kennedy's fault. I mean, she's at the top, so ultimately it is her fault because she's at the top. But but that fell through the cracks with her and multiple other people. Um, and I feel like that's really the the big complaint that you hear from from fans the most, even if they can't articulate that, is that it felt reactionary. It felt disjointed. The pieces don't go together. It didn't tell one uniform story because there wasn't one person telling that story. You had multiple people, and and you know George Lucas for all of whatever you want to think about him through his life, he he had a uniform uniform story, and he brought people in. And explain that story to them. Maybe not in all of the details, but right. how your piece connects to the greater puzzle. Um, and that did feel like that was missing in the sequel. Um, yeah. So it's nice to see, like a Dave Filoni, who we have seen through all of the Clone Wars seasons, he's got a vision here. Yeah. Whether or not someone will give him the money and the time to get right. to wherever that vision is is different. I don't, you know. Maybe he needs somebody on time management with him to help him get through some of that. But, you know, <laughs> sure. um, I feel like I feel like the universe, it, if we if we, you know, with it, with and they don't have to be these people, but with a, a Dave Filoni or a Kevin Feige or something, mm-hmm. there is a structure and there is an arc. And it's, this is what we're going to do throughout. And the Mandalorian, I think, was a great example of that, because every episode was directed by somebody different. We, we you know, yeah. there's a different feel. There's a different style. Every single episode, but all of them made sense together. It um, seems to tie in heavily to the Vikings, exactly who I was just thinking of, because it ties in exactly with the Marvel movies of we'll have different people direct each of them and they'll have kind of a different feel to it. But here's the story that we're going to tell. And here's your lane to stay in. And, right. uh, and, and not to put too fine a point on it, but Ryan Johnson stated no lanes. Um, yeah. <laughs> he, well, I think that's the thing. I don't think he was told to stay in a lane. I think. Now, I think he he definitely veered way more than he probably should have. Um, But I think it was okay. Well, you've seen what we've done, right? You're up, buddy. What do you want to make? You know, like if 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 you play that, uh, there was a game we used to play in like improv class and drama growing up, where like everybody takes turns telling the next sentence of the story. Oh, uh yeah. You know, like, the, but the guy down at the end, if he's already got an idea in his brain, who cares what everyone's in front of him? I think that's what right. happened. I think, you know, it, and I think the same, I, you know, I don't want to blame Ryan Johnson. He's a great filmmaker. He's sure. a great storyteller. And like I said, I really like episode eight for different reasons. Um, but I think it's the same. If you had given any fan, any Star Wars fan, the keys to the Star Wars kingdom and said, you get to make the next movie. All of us would have made a crap movie because we yeah. didn't know where we were going, and right. and we would have been all over the place. And that's what happened. Yeah, um, I mean, I, you know, I look at uh, before we even went into before we went even went in to see it. That's um, what I told Ben was my biggest fear was I didn't think I love I love Brian Johnson's work. Yeah, love love Brian Johnson's work, but I I was really concerned about how he would fit into a narrative story that wasn't his story from start to finish. As like. I don't think he's, I don't think he's, uh, you know, the middle, I don't think he's the middle uh, storyteller here. Like, I just don't think that he can fit in there. And whether it's, 
lack of direction or he going off on his own thing or a combination of both. I don't know. But that that leads me to think, you know, Disney's multi-channel. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, we have the movies. We have the TV shows. We're delivering our own stuff on Disney Plus. We have we're going to go back to books and comic books, which. Awesome. I'm really excited about that. Yeah. I know only nerds read comic books, but every family has Disney Plus. But here we are doing that. Right. <laughs> um, but I, you know, to speak about picking directions and making very expensive mistakes if you don't pick the right direction, um, I, I have been to Galaxy's Edge, and this is a whole new channel to the Star Wars universe. I think what do we have in parallels, like the only other thing that's gotten that kind of level of real world immersive experiences harry potter right um you know you had like the jaws ride but it was a ride and you had amity mm. little town yeah but, you know we're now going full on into a whole unexplored part of star wars and y- you know it would be really expensive to rebuild that <sighs> yeah <laughs> really uh, well but but at the end of the day i mean i i think it you know when when Disney when Disney bought Star Wars, right? It was the joke everyone made, right? Like, oh, I'm gonna yeah. mock up my own Star Wars land. Disney's gonna build a Star Wars land. Well, yeah, it makes the most sense because since since Episode Four came out, what has every Star Wars fan ever wanted but to be in the universe, right? right. Like, just like we were talking about, we all went outside and picked up sticks that were blasters and made our own lightsabers and made stupid Halloween costumes before marketing was like, oh, crap, we should really, you know, like, everybody knows somebody. I mean, I'm, I'm going to date myself a little bit here, but everybody knows somebody, if you're old enough, who, like, took a colander from the kitchen and made themselves R2-D2 with a trash bag and a colander on their head, right? Like, right. that's just how and we were all doing that kind of crap. So it makes sense to be like, well, if we can make it nice, we can sell whatever we want. And that's, I mean, and Disney, is, if they've got nothing figured out, they got that figured out, right? <laughs> yeah, they, they have done an incredible job. You know, it's, I was a bit worried because they've been, they've been falling behind in the 2000s and even mm-hmm. early 2010s and in their execution on park things. And uh, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter is really good. And I was I didn't want it to look bad in comparison, but holy cow, they went all out and it is jaw dropping. Uh, as you said earlier, you know, not, you know, not gatekeeping, but if you're a person who considers yourself a star Wars fan, whether or not you like, you know, Disney world or the concept of Disney and you think it's all theme parks, you know what? Yeah. You know what? There is, um, there, there, there is fantasy land, you know, that, that does exist, but go to, either park and go see um go see what they've done because it's it's amazing and they're identical in both parks right Uh, they are yes yeah i mean more or less yeah but yeah anything you can find in one park you can find in the other yeah so for for those that aren't terribly familiar with with exactly what uh black spire outpost to galaxy's edge and and all of that is uh why don't you give people like kind of a thirty thousand foot overview of what is that experience and what what do people find uh at galaxy's edge Sure. So the so Galaxy's Edge is the official Disney company name of the Star Wars land. Um, it is it is quote unquote the outsiders' discussion of what is where are we going? We're going to Galaxy's Edge. That's Star Wars land. When you get into Galaxy's Edge, um, you are at the Black Star Outpost. That is the name of the town that you are visiting, um, and the town exists on a planet that 
hitherto the building of the land didn't exist in the Star Wars universe as far as we knew it. Um, so the town of Blackspire Outpost exists on the planet Batu. Um, since building and opening the land, there have been books and comic books about or that have referenced Batu. Um, right. Either the planet, there's a couple references directly to Blackspire Outpost, but there's also references to other places on Batu, and characters will like throw it out there um, to help integrate it more fully into the rest of the Star Wars universe. Um, so it's 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 an outpost. It's an outpost on a on a planet. Um, it is a forested outpost, I would say, but there is wide open, rocky, craggy area. Um, right. It is called Black Spire Outpost because there are giant black monoliths that kind of come up out of the ground throughout town, um, with one very prominent obelisk in the middle of the market. Um, and the the locals all have a different folk story on why that spire exists, how it got there, whatever. Um, and and all of these things are referenced very heavily. And there's a there's a book um, directly about Black Spire Outpost, which if you are a giant Star Wars nerd and you're gonna go to Galaxy's Edge, it's not the best written Star Wars book. I will say that right up front. I don't want to pull any punches. It's not the best written book. Um, but if you're a Star Wars fan, read the book before you go to Galaxy's Edge, because when you go to Galaxy's Edge, it it's sort of like there's all these fun little secrets now that you know. You'll see something and be like, oh, that's the place where this happened. And oh, this is where that thing, you know, like it as a nerd, it's just a fun thing to be like, oh, cool, I know all this extra stuff. Um, right. But but as you could expect, I mean, Disney has gone all out. I mean, there are there are full-size spaceships um in various places. There are old worn down stores that have been there for er forever there are brand new stores that have just been built with like you know super nice duraplast and all sorts of alloys and whatever um and you will you know you encounter a variety of citizens um that eat that live and work there um one of the unique things that disney did with black spire outpost um is that unlike like if you go to Adventureland at the Magic Kingdom, and you go up to you know a skipper at the Jungle Cruise who is in the jungle, right? And we, you know, they skipper a boat, and you ask them about Space Mountain. They know about Space Mountain, right? Like it's like, oh, we're in Adventureland, but you're like, hey, what about you know? How do I get to Space Mountain? They'd be like, ah, Space Mountain. You're gonna go back out, go past the castle, you're gonna go tomorrow. Like they will answer as you would expect the person to do. Um, Galaxy's Edge. And Black Spire Outposts are unique in that the cast that are there have been told that that is where they live. That is their home. They live on Batu. So if you go to Black Spire Outposts and you walk up to, you know, one of the drink parts and you're like, listen, um, we were thinking about riding, you know, the Tower of Terror. Uh, Galaxy's Edge is at Star Wars at Hollywood Studios at uh, in Florida in Orlando. Um, it's in Disneyland out in California. Sorry, got it. Um, so if you're like, "Hey, listen, we were thinking about riding Tower of Terror," that cast member will be like, "The what now?" You know, you know, Tower of Terror. It's on the other side of the park. They'll be like, "Tell me about." I mean, the only towers I know are these spires, and I've never heard terror about this. You know, like so it, early on, there was some frustration from many people right. because they couldn't get a straight answer on like just answer the we, damn question. Exactly. Exactly. Um, <laughs> And, and so you're, you're smarter, more well-adapted uh, citizens 
found ways to kind of talk around some of those things. You know, like somebody be like, I need to go to guest relations. We're not happy about this. And they'd be like, guest relations? I don't know what you speak of. And they're like, if I were to put some sort of customer service area, it'd probably be at the entrance and or exit of whatever establishment you were at. You know, like there's, there's been some frustrations. They're working through a lot of that, but, but that's the level of detail that Disney wanted. They went all in on this. Like if you live or work in Black Spire Outpost, that's it for you. You don't know about the rest of the things in Disney Hollywood studios Um, for better or for worse. That's the direction they have gone. Well, and Lou, to your point about um, all the the Harry Potter um, stuff over at Universal, um, right. and talking about the level that they've sent their uh, their theming to, I remember Aaron and I speaking back in like two thousand one about about Disney, and this is before I didn't. I came late to the Disney game. I didn't even go to Disney until I was in college. Um, but I was like, "What is the difference between Disney and these other places?" And and Aaron explained to me very cogently. He's like, "It's theming. Like it is a theme mm-hmm. park, and the detail of theming." you are wherever you are, you're immersed in that thing. And not that Disney necessarily got away from that, but I think you're right. Lou, I think you're right is they finally got one upped by universal that goes, we're going to yeah. real, we're going to theme the shit out of this. And when you're here, you are legit here. And when you're at Ollivander's, there's no other place like this. Ollivander knows wand. He's not going to tell yeah. you anything else. He's going to tell you about, you know, the unicorn hair that's in, in the wand. That's all he's going to tell right. you about. So I think black Spire outpost is kind of matched that that same level of, of theming um mm-hmm. when when well, they, is they, uh, sorry go ahead yeah i was gonna say they they kind of in the 90s didn't really learn their lesson when they lost uh lost when they sent basically a bunch of imagineers really skilled into the arms of of universal and got they got islands of adventure out of it which yeah. is aging but was really innovative for its time um mm-hmm. i think they're only now, like it would have been, you know, mid early mid nineties when I started making some of these changes, like only yeah. now, almost 20 years later, are they finally starting to recover from that? Um, and black, like black spire outpost. It, this is amazing. Right. My biggest fear was that, Oh, we're going to get Tatooine. Um, I didn't right. really yeah. want to see Tatooine, but it's like, well, we'll, we'll, we'll pick some big place. We're going to, we're going to do the Republic, right. It's going to be the grand Republic city. We're going to see the galactic Senate. No one wants that. Yeah. Um, but then I'd like to talk about trade delegations. So bold, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but it's so, it's so bold that she was like, there's this place from this book that, you know, wasn't even one of the best books. Right. Um, but we can tell all our stories here. It's mm-hmm. very free. It's very broad. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, it's really paid off. Well, yeah. and, and there's a lot with, because, because the city has been there forever, right? Like it's been there for, for hundreds of years. It's very easy to retcon stuff, right? We've already seen as soon as Black Spire Outpost came out or opened, there were comic books of like, oh, you know, one time uh, Han and Chewbacca came to Batu and they made a deal with this guy and they went and got a baby Sarlacc and you can see the baby Sarlacc. It's like, like we retcon stuff. We're on it. It's fast. Like jump, jump. Disney knows, but it's been here forever. You should come see the stuff forever. So. And I think we're going to, I mean, going back a little bit forward, I think we're going to see a lot of that. like stuff's going to tie in together way more than it did. Um, but it feels the like town, it has to be doing a physical thing like that, right? Like, yeah, you have to go there accepting that, um, you know, time and uh, order of operations is going to be a little bit fluid. Correct. Yeah. It, th- things are a little different. Um, it, 
but the land is is amazing. I mean, it yes. it, it feels like it's been lived in. Um, the marketplace is fantastic. It smells like you would expect an older marketplace, an open air marketplace to be. Um, there's a quote unquote pet shop, and as you wander over, there's pages, and it smells not real bad like a pet store, but it has that faint like uh, pet, pet story stuff. And there's right. all these different animals that you can purchase and take home with you. And then there are some that are like you know display animatronics behind behind glass that move and snore and you know lick things and um you know there's a toy store and next to the toy store is little land speeders like we would expect to see toy cars for kids you know like i bought my kid a power wheels well on batu you buy your kid a land speeder like that's what so and there's like toys that look like they were hand stitched by these little shop owners or hand carved out of wood um and then there's all these things that as a fan, I didn't know I needed, but I needed. Um, yeah. You know, like, I didn't know I needed Chance Cube. But apparently, once they were in front of me, I was like, well, sure, you got to have those. They were in the movie. I've seen that. That's easy. Got to have um, Chance Cube. Yeah, right? Like, I, I need to buy a Sabak deck. That's important. I got to have one of those. I didn't have any, you know, like, and, and you can really, as a fan, I mean, like, tons of stuff has been made for Star Wars fans. I mean, let tons and tons and tons. And yet, somehow, Disney found things that, at least I had never. That doesn't mean they didn't exist, but I, you know, right. um, you can get a Dejeric table, you can get little figures, you can get carvings. Um, so the, the marketplace has tons of little, you know, corners and coves and stuff. Um, my favorite place to visit in the marketplace is uh, where you can get Ronto wraps at Ronto Roasters. Um, and I would go so far as to say a Ronto wrap is probably the best, for sure, best quick service food you can get at Highwood Studios. Um, I would, I might argue that it's the best food you can get at Highwood Studios. Quick service or table aside, a Ronto wrap is amazing. Don't tell the Brown Derby. They're going to get upset. I, you know what? I'm telling you, it, it's, it's phenomenal. Um, Ogus Cantina, great place. You just head on in, get some drinks. Um, and my buddy DJ Rex, uh, <laughs> you know, he's, he's there spinning tunes and every so often has a little bit of a glitch where he thinks he's a star Peter pilot all of a sudden. And then he re- resets himself. Um, <laughs> and the drinks are good and they're fun, like thematic drink. Um, they have a, a gold squadron lager, which is really good. Um, nice. Molly had a teal wine, which uh, I mean, like glow in the dark teal. Like I've never seen a liquid this color that was edible. Like this looks like this looks like antifreeze. You should not drink it. Um, <laughs> now I don't I, know. Um, I don't know about the beers at Oga's Cantina. I'm not sure if this is still true, but for a while I know at least at um, over in Animal Kingdom in um, Avatar Land. I don't remember what it's called. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Pandora. Thank you, Pandora. Yes. Um, on Pandora, they have uh, they serve beer there as well, and yes. for at least for a while, I think it might still be true. It was produced by Terrapin, which is an Athens, Georgia company. Yeah, I think um, I don't remember. I I know someone who knows where the 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 Star Wars beers come from, and I don't remember the name, but I feel like their their local brewery in florida but i may be wrong about that. yeah 
Uh, I, if, I mean, if it were me, like every location that had a house beer would be from some different brewery and I'd be yeah. far and wide. Yeah. Uh, but I know for a while in Pandora, uh, they were, uh, it was coming from Terrapin. So that's cool. Well, Athens plug. Yeah, that's yeah. fun. Um, but you know what? Be way, I, I, I'm, I'm excited for the day when Disney says, no, you know what? We have all these different micro brews all over the place. We're shipping them from all over the place. It'd be just cheaper if Disney just made its own brewery and wanted to hire this Lou guy to, I don't know, do something. Wouldn't that be a, a perfect fit? Not just for you, but, uh, but for Disney Springs to have, uh, their own, like, you know, tap house, their own brew house with, with their, their local cool. brews. Oh, um, wouldn't that be cool if you could bring like, uh, all the different beers from the different parks in there. You could put them all it's in like, there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Here's, here's what's on served on Batu. We got this all the way from Batu. All the way from Batu. That's, then you and you of course have to sell like thematic growlers that mm-hmm. go places oh, of like course. popcorn bucks. Yeah. I think yeah, we have a, written there's the business plan. There's a market there for sure. Yeah, we we've half written the business plan already. I'll go ahead and <laughs> we, we'll hammer out the rest of the deals and we'll work it. Lou, if you'll work on the capital phases, we'll uh Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the big letters, right? Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the big one. <laughs> <laughs> um so with with Blackfire Spire Outpost and all that. Um, yeah, back, back to the task at hand. Back, Star Wars. Back, sure. back to the task at hand. Um, I, I guess what I would really like to to I know that there's more on the horizon and beyond the rides and all that they have there. What can you tell us? What do you know about? Um, I'm gonna even say the name wrong because I've Galactic Star Cruiser. Did I get that right? I got that wrong. I got that wrong. Uh, I mean, it's close enough. I okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So <laughs> the hotel, so- the Star Wars hotel. Yeah, so for people who don't know, Disney has announced that they are building a Star Wars hotel. Um, it is, as far as I can tell, one of the most ambitious projects I've heard in the hotel industry. Um, so it, the, the concept, as far as we know at this time, is that um, it will be a giant space cruiser. Um, and it is being sold the same way Disney sells cruise line tickets. Uh, so you cannot decide, listen, it sounds cool to stay in a Star Wars hotel. We're going to, we'll pop in there for one night and then we'll go back over to the Polynesian. Right. If you buy, there is a, I don't know if it's a minimum and maximum. I, I'm, I, I've only heard one sell so far and that's a four day, three night resort stay. Right. That's uh, what I've heard. Yeah, know, rumor at this point, but well, they say yeah, yeah, yeah. in 2021 we can come back to that, but that's all well, I. Yeah, that's. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so you buy a four day, three night, so it's essentially a cruise. Um, there is a a boarding time like a cruise, and then once you check in, you are placed aboard a transport ship um, that will take you up to the cruiser, which is in space, obviously. Right. Um, you mean it's amongst the stars? Yes, amongst the stars in yeah, no, in the space. A galactic, a galactic cruiser of, can't travel in atmosphere. We know that. I mean, no, it's too heavy. Too heavy. Yeah. It wouldn't work. Uh, the it amount of thrust here. Yeah, no good. So, <laughs> so, and then when you when you check into your room, there is uh, a tire for you to wear that fits in with being on a galactic space cruiser. Um, so that you fit in with everyone else who is not there. Mm, polyester jumpsuits. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, 
and, and and there's concept art of this, and the concept art, as concept art often does, changes every time it comes up. So, so exactly <laughs> yeah. what that stuff looks like, who knows? Um, but your room will have a view into the galaxy. Um, so and 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 I keep coming back to this because it's the only thing that makes sense in my brain, and it's the way Disney keeps explaining it. Is this is a cruise? You're going on a cruise. Mm-hmm. The cruise just happens to be in space. Um, it also seems like it's kind of like a murder mystery too, because there's a story that will go through that follows you along. Yes. Yeah. So there, there, and, and Disney talked about this a lot before Galaxy's Edge opened. Is that choices you make on the attractions in the land will impact the rest of your visit there. Right. Um, and I know that Disneyland tested some of those things but they never fully got off the ground for one reason or another. And, and I think, I, I think COVID got in the way of a lot of that as well. Sure. Um, Florida, as far as I know, never even got into a testing phase for that. But I think assuming that they're still pushing that concept, we will see more of that once this resort opens. Um, because just like on a cruise ship, at some point there's a port of call. And so we'll stop at the planet, Batu. And you can take a tender, and it will bring you down to the planet's surface, to the Black Spire Outpost. Um, and while you are there, you can make choices. Maybe you decide to pick up a gig with the, the local shipping company that Hondo Anaka runs um, with the Millennium Falcon. Right. Maybe you decide to sneak into uh, a, you know, a first-order base and help the Rebellion. Do, you know, like There's all these options. And what you do will impact when you come back to the cruise, the interactions you have with people. People will know, oh, we heard about some shipping trouble down on the planet. Do you know anything about, you know, like that kind of stuff? So is it like when I have one too many of the alcoholic blue milks and then go, and then I go fly the Millennium Falcon and they're like, you ran, over, you, 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 you ran over more kids than Anakin. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the younglings. Think of the younglings. So yeah, and, and you know, as a, as a as a cruise ship does, there are game spaces, there are bars, there is, I can imagine, thematic food, right. um, and other people, Chewbacca or other folks we might know, will also be on the ship that you can interact with, and um, maybe even some spies for the resistance or some first order officers, and you can choose to help them or not. Or I mean, having having done multiple Disney cruises and seeing some of the things that they've done on the ship, right? I can't imagine. I mean, I can. I have like, lots of imagination. Um, <laughs> but to take the things that, that Disney did on ships that are now uh, like a decade old. At least. And yeah. take, yeah, and, and then having all of that knowledge and all the stuff that they did and then upping that technology and making it so it doesn't have to be mobile and work in the middle of an ocean. I have high hope. Yeah, um, and, you know, thinking of Disney cruise ships, we know that uh, on the interior rooms, the interior state rooms, they have virtual portholes. Yes. Which I have not seen, but my wife has and say they look really good. They look great. Um, and having, you know, brought, um, you know, brought my kid on Disney cruise, the level of, the level of engagement and integration they have with them through their magic bands and the kids clubs mm-hmm. is really impressive. They can locate them anywhere on the ship, not just in the kids club, but on the ship. Yep. And 
the amount of um, the amount of understanding they have of their habits and how they can interact with them and make them happy like all the time. I they're better at making my kid happy than I am. And <laughs> knowing that, like you said, taking what they do in the middle of the ocean, yeah, and now bringing it to their data hub, yeah, where they have lots more power to throw at it, people, lots more staff to throw at it. Uh, I'm. My understanding is that it it's also going to be kind of similarly priced to what you would expect for a price of a Disney cruise, which is not cheap. But yeah, I, I, here is here is my money. <laughs> like, take yeah. it. I want it. Well, and and the other thing that 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 keeps coming up is that it's not a this is not a big resort. Like, it, it is right. not it is not a Polynesian. It's not a Grand Floridian. It's not an All Star. This is a boutique resort um, because it's a niche market, right? Every person who comes to Disney world is not the star Wars fan. That's going to spend. I don't know. Let's throw a round number and say five grand staying at a hotel for three nights. Right. Do those fans exist? Yes. I think you're looking at three of them right now, but (laughs) it, it doesn't have to be big. If we can, if it's, I don't know, 50 rooms. Can we right. fill 50 rooms year round? Yeah, yeah, we can fill 50 rooms year round with that. With that. Um, it's basically a, the way I, you know, I understand it from the rumors is basically it's, it's a destination within a destination. This isn't correct. your average Disney trip and you'll have the ability to go somewhere if you want to, like you could in theory stay there and go to magic kingdom, but you're probably not going to like, maybe what you do is if you just have all the money in the world, is you do your your cruise, um, you know it's like a it's like a land and sea. You go to Disney World for a bit, then you go on a Disney cruise. They uh-huh. ship you there on the buses. Uh-huh. It's all great. Well, it's the same kind of concept where you might do a Disney trip and you might do a Star Wars trip. You might do them together, but these are set. Even though they They're are separate. literally in the same place, they uh-huh. are completely separate experiences and separate well, vacations. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think you're going to see a. The people who are going, and I, I think to some degree Disney is banking on this, but yeah. the people who are staying at this resort are the same people who go on a Disney cruise and don't get off in Nassau, right? right. Like, I didn't get on a cruise to go to the Bahamas. I got on a cruise right. to go on a cruise. Yeah. I, I, I think I that, like he's pretty good. Yeah. I think your excursion that you're going to see is we're going to spend some time here on the cruise. Oh, is there a, a, a port of call at Batu? We'll take the ship down. I'll spend way more money down there and then we'll come back on up and do it all over. You know, like, right. I think that's what you're going to see. And is it a hard sell for some families? Yes. I think it will be a hard sell for some families to convince them to take a trip to Disney world and not go to Disney world. I think that's going to be tough, but I think the resort can handle it. I mean, well, you can tell by how much money that, that the movies bring in there's at least the episodic movies you're talking about in the billions. I mean, you pay George Lucas $4.6 billion. And I remember right early on, we talked about it on this very program. People were like, $4.6 billion, you'll never make that back. And we joked and we were like, it might just be a movie. Like, you yeah, make right. one really good Star Wars movie and you might make that $4.6 billion that yeah. you gave George back. Um, but likewise, you know, we were talking about the, the cost of, of doing this experience. And obviously, you know, we're not talking a lot about what's going on with, with COVID and whatnot. But, you know, Disney lost a ton of money per day. Woo! that the, the parks were, were closed. Aaron, do you have any idea? Like, like we, we saw some numbers. Do you have any numbers on like how much like just Disney world was losing? No, the numbers I saw were pretty much the same numbers that you guys talked about before in, in a previous episode. But it, I mean, 
but to say money they did lose the company is still losing money right like let's be honest all the hotels are not open all the restaurants are not open and and there are still tons of people that disney does hasn't brought back to work that i mean the amount of money that the company is still losing today is still way more than they want to be. That is for dang sure. But I know the, the result. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. Record. Uh, the 10Qs are public record. Like you can yeah. go sec.gov and, and see for yourself. Um, this is not a case of, you know, uh, greediness and scrabbling together the profits for some select few. It is, it, it's not. Right. And the, all great. that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But all that said is, I know there were a bunch of projects that they were they were doing, you know, like Tron Light Cycle and a bunch of other things that they were yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah. And if you're going to hedge your bets on what fan base is going to show up in mass and pay you a lot for not a little, but a lot for maybe what's available, it's going to be Star Wars people because you saw yeah, like all yeah. these projects get put on on hold. But as we talked about right here, is we talked about like how much money would you pay to live in Star Wars for two or three days. And we basically agreed on whatever number they set. Like, yeah. like whatever yeah. number they set, even you if it's me? something like ridiculous, like you're like, it's $40,000. It's like, cool. That just means it'll be longer until I go. Right. As so I keep every single there. day, just being like $5 in the piggy bank, $5. Yeah. <laughs> it'll happen. Right. And, and that's the thing. And I think, I mean, like you were saying, Ben, all of this has happened. It's very unfortunate for, for people all over the world, yeah. businesses and individuals alike. Disney is, is losing tons of money. They have lost. They continue to lose. Um, and they're looking at ways to save some of that money. Some of those projects are getting put on hold. Some of those projects are being scaled back. What isn't being put on hold is this new hotel. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and I think, a lot right there. Yeah, and I think, I think a lot of that comes from, and I don't know these numbers, but I think it's very easy to say, well, let's look at just how much food and beverage and merchandise is sold in Black Spire Outpost. And they look at those numbers and they've said, no, we're going to still build a hotel. That, right. to me, says something good. Um, uh, Oga's Cantina, which is not by any means, I mean, they're Disney drink prices. They're not cheap, but they ain't the most expensive. I mean, you know, you go to Wrigley Field, you're going to buy a $12 beer. It's about the same thing. Um, but this one is themed, and it's called something fancy. Um, <laughs> um, and so, uh, but I think, like Oga's Cantina, you have to make a reservation for that. And reservations are full all the time. To So people are waiting in line to spend money to buy overpriced drinks, which are good. I don't want to say they're not good. Some of them are weird, and I don't need to get again. Um, but you know you're you're gonna like this doesn't happen anymore, right? right? Um, so, and this was look social distancing aside. Yes, there are way less people in there than there used to be, and Disney's making sure that everyone's safe. But even before this, you had to get a reservation to wait in line right. to go in to buy two drinks. That was it. You were allowed two drinks, and then you had to go. Like, what other bars throwing people out like that? But right. He's getting away with it, um, and and there's always people building two hundred dollar lightsabers. Yeah, well, that was all. I, yeah. If you saw me looking away, I was actually pulling up my calculator real quick because I'm trying to figure out. I was like, 
Let's just do some round numbers. And obviously, I'm the if, if anybody knows my track record on Grand Landfill, uh, I'm not the person <laughs> that should be holding a calculator. Um, yeah, and God forbid he does find it. You're usually under though, so that just helps. That's <laughs> yeah, but our case more. According so, to this, the average person spends one billion dollars a day. That seems that seems fair. That that's seems fair. I want, I want you both to know how much I hate each of you. Um, is uh, No, but I'm running some, some numbers, and you said, what, it's about $200 for a lightsaber. Uh, yep. How many people fit in, in the room there? Like, what, like 10, 12 oh, actually I building? Think at, I think looking at 12, if I had to guess off the top of my head. I think it's, yeah, I think it's a 10 to 12 number. And, that last, and how long is that experience? Probably like half an hour or something like that? Oh, 20 minutes. Oh, my God. Yeah, not even a half hour, no. We, it, it, they're moving people through there, man. So let's say they can run like 40 of those a day. Let's, let's say that you're running something like that. You're making a hundred thousand dollars a day on 96,000. If somebody's actually checking my math, uh, you're making a hundred thousand dollars a day just on the lightsaber building experience, lightsaber. which again, we had this conversation uh, a few days ago. It's like, I, I don't care how much it costs. I'm going to build my lightsaber. Nobody can yeah. take that away from me. There's many like it. This one's mine. Yeah. And then when you leave, in addition to now you have built your lightsaber, we also have, it comes, it has its own little carrying case that they give you. That's in, so with the lightsaber, I'll go through that. With the lightsaber, you get to choose your lightsaber, uh -huh. which style you want to build. They give you a pin that denotes the style you have chosen. Then you get to pick the part and construct it yourself. With that, you also choose... Was that? You, pick like the, you pick like the color and the kyber crystal of the part? Yes. Is that what you're talking about? You pick the kyber crystal, and then you pick like which pommel do you want? Which handle do you want? Which right. emitter do you want? So it's one, two, three, four, five parts of the physical lightsaber plus the kyber crystal. Wow. You pick all those things. So you walk out with all of those pieces together and a blade and like a little canvas bag to carry it around in. But they have a nicer bag that you can purchase <laughs> at Doc Ondar's Den of Antiquities. And, and while you're there, you might as well look at all the other lightsabers. They have the legacy lightsabers. So there you can buy Darth Vader's and Luke's and Ahsoka's and Obi-Wan's and uh, uh, Temple Guards and Darth Maul's and Kylo Ren's and Ben Solo's. And you can buy all of these lightsabers. And they range in price from about $120 to $200. And then there are helmets, both for fighter pilots, stormtroopers, first order. There are robes. Are you, there are coats. That's sorry, are, I, I, I didn't realize you could get like the fighter pilot stuff like that. Like if for me to oh, get my yes. own like Poe helmet yes. or or yes. just, oh my god, that would make and me then, so. If your if your mind is blown, like you can store all this information in a holocron that you buy. <laughs> you can you can purchase a holocron and you can put your. And if you're not sure, like maybe when you were building your lightsaber, more than one crystal spoke to you, but you finally went with one, but you're not sure. Good news. You can buy more kyber crystals back at the at Doc Ondar's and then you can switch them out whenever you want. So your lightsaber can make all the. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a sucker. I think that's so cool. Like, yeah. Yeah. You can, yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, mean, you know, think about it, that becomes the. Um, that becomes the uh, the good housekeeping tip of the year. It's like we got that old lightsaber hanging on the wall. Jazz it up with a different color. Buy a new crystal. Switch right. out the colors. Do the whole thing. Yeah, it's it, yeah, and and that store is always busy. Now, 
Admittedly, plenty of people are always there standing just looking. There are lots of guests that are walking in, looking and being like, hey, can I hold Luke Skywalker's? This is kind of cool. It's pretty heavy. This is nicely done. How much? 200 bucks? No thanks. Bye. Like, that's right. happening fun. But I've seen plenty of people walk in and walk out with more than one lightsaber in a bag. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, like, you're not going to get Luke's lightsaber. Obviously, you need Darth Vader's lightsaber to go with it because they had a battle. Like, of course. You have to see them together. Yep. And then there's all sorts of, like, I mean, Doc Ondar's is, is to me one of the coolest merchandise locations that Disney has on property because there's all of these, there's relief stone carvings that they found in a temple that you can yeah. purchase hang on your wall in your house um <laughs> yep you know it's suitable for framing right queen amidala's headdress from this movie you can buy it here we found it somewhere you know like and in addition to the merchandise it is also super well themed there's like there's weird creepy little pets in containers there's a dianoga in one jar there's a you know a, a baby sarlacc in another jar there's cool stuff so even if you're not a Star Wars fan, it's cool to walk in and be like, man, look at all this junk everywhere. This place is cool. Like, so it, but they're yeah. making bank. I mean, I tell you, they are, there's no shortage of nerds who will spend their money. So, yeah. so say we all. I, I mean, I think they hit it out of the park with that. Yeah. So, so we don't want to take up too much of your time, but sure, I'm going sure. to throw out something here, and this is something that uh, uh, Lou and I have not talked about this beforehand, so my apologies for just throwing this out here, but I'm going to throw out just kind of a lightning round to you, Aaron. And okay. uh, so, so no one's prepared for this. I mean, after all, after all the, after all the crap you gave us earlier about how we have Trello when we plan everything, <laughs> I plan this it. is what it's like. And we even had a call. Like. We even had a call before this. We scheduled a call to be like, let's make sure everything's ready for Aaron. Like we want to make sure everything <laughs> we, we need to make sure to dot our T's and cross our eyes. Right? Oh God, I hope he comes back. I hope he likes us. <laughs> Um, so I'm going to throw this. So starting with, with galaxy's edge, this is going to be kind of rapid fire just to kind of wrap everything up. Uh, is these are the last that you never want a star Wars fan never wants to hear these questions thrown at them. So I'm going to, but let's start with galaxy's edge. Favorite thing at at galaxy's edge. Rise of the resistance. Ooh. Is it no spoilers? Yes. Yeah. No no spoilers. Is it as good as everybody says? Probably better. (laughs) Like, here's the thing. As a Star Wars fan, no spoilers, as a Star Wars fan, um, the story fit very nicely between some of the movies, and it fills in some gaps for us a little bit, um, nice. which I think if you're paying attention, you catch on the first ride through, you probably won't. Um, from a Disney per- ride perspective, it is very well done. Um, it is some of the newest technology that, that Disney and Universal and probably other people um, are using in their attractions. They're great audio animatronics. Um, and if you, if you can avoid watching the videos and like learning all this stuff, there's some fun, just ride surprises that happen throughout the attraction. It's also a much longer attraction than I expected it to be. Um, the, the whole experience and I feel like this is the first time Disney's ever built something that is, this is not rapid fire. This is me going really slow. Yeah, no, no, it's that. okay. <laughs> um, for, uh, that time. Disney for years has always said, you know, our, we have attractions. It's a theme thing. You just, you're not waiting in line for a ride. There's like a story in the line. I think this is the best time that's ever been executed because you get in a line, you wait in a line, and then you go into what we would normally consider a pre-show area. And it's like, oh, okay, they're going to set me up and then we're going to get on a ride. But it's like, 
it's like a pre-show that goes into another pre-show that goes into a, a super cool thematic area that goes into another pre-show that then gets on a ride. Like you just keep doing things over and over and over again. So it, it with no weight, which you'll never get, but right. if you were to able to do it all the way straight through, it's like a 20 minute experience. Ooh, the sit wow. down and find it. Like I'm sitting in a vehicle that is moving around. That portion is probably like, six or seven minutes, but there's so much set up and so many things that happened before that once you hit the first part of that line is going to be tedious for people. Sure. Um, it, it's, it's normal line waiting for the most part. Okay. Disney, the Disney parks play app. And while you're in Batu, you can like translate our bash and scan things and take on jobs. And that keeps you entertained a little bit. Um, but the first part is really just, it, it's waiting as themed line. Um, once you hit that first pre-show, though, stuff is cool, and it stays cool until you exit that location. Um, it it was very, very well done, in my opinion. And I take it it makes like a top five list for you in, in Disney well, World? Yes, very, very. Uh, without thinking through it, I'm going to say that's like a number one spot for me right now. Wow. Um, so along those same lines, favorite Star Wars merchandise you personally own? Uh, my My custom-built lightsaber. Not the the nice. nice. Yep. Uh, character you most want to have drinks with it most easily. Ooh, you know, I think uh, I think Poe would be a really good time to have some drinks oh, with. Nice. Like, I I have, I have a crush on Poe. Yeah, he seems like he'd be a good time. He's a good storyteller. I could see him having a couple and like you know getting up, and being loud, and like getting into some scruff. I like. It. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, along those same lines, favorite character in the Star Wars universe. Mm, you know I'm a sucker for R2-D2 I don't feel like he gets enough credit uh, he does a lot sometimes more than I think he should be able to do but I'm sure. a sucker for R2-D2 gotcha for everything light there is a dark so who's your least favorite Star Wars character in the universe you know Jar Jar Binks feels like he's too easy to pick on uh, you know I, I didn't really care for Finn really um, Really, I, I feel like he had a he had a decent setup, um, and I don't I don't I don't blame him for this. I think, right. like we talked about, I think it was a lack of, of oversight. I feel like he he never really amounted to anything of consequence at all. Um, yeah, and I don't blame yeah. I don't blame uh, I don't uh, obviously I can't blame Finn because he's a, fa- a fictional character. I don't right. blame uh, John Boyega for that, and he expressed oh, right. uh, frustration with the whole thing anyway. He's like the first movie the advertising was all me holding a lightsaber. And yeah, then they, they were up. leading, and they were leading towards him being force sensitive, uh, and and kind of the whole the idea of a story arc of a stormtrooper becoming a Jedi is just so incredible, and they just never they it sounded like they wanted to do it, and they just never latched onto it, and just never yeah. saw it through. Uh, yeah, it's I, like the opposite of R two D two, right? Like R two D two maybe carries more water than he should, and has more capabilities. Then all of a sudden, you've got this really awesome setup in seven. And like now he's just basically an ancillary character that gets yeah. I really feel like line, which is kind of a bummer. I feel like the the best thing that could have happened with him, assuming we don't fully rewrite all of the movies, is that somewhere at the beginning of eight there would have been a line to explain him away. I feel like he was a solid character through seven. I would have liked something in eight where he's like, "Listen, this has been great," and blah blah blah, and I'm gonna be a pilot. Good luck, everybody. And he takes off, and we don't see him again. I think that would have been. 
He's got yeah. a Poochie. I'm going yeah. home to my own planet. Poochie's uh, ship exploded on the way to his planet. Oh, Yay! bummer. Yeah, yeah, like that That just feels like... I, yeah, I, well, yeah. yeah it, it's, it's, it's no one's fault. He just... Is, I, I w- you know what? S- spin him off, and then let's do a two-season TV series. I'm in for that. Around him, yeah. We can do that, yeah. There. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, while we're on the subject of least favorites, let's move it to the, the big side. Is We all like Star Wars uh, in our own way. Uh, if you have to pick, pick a least favorite, what's your least favorite Star Wars movie? Probably episode two. I feel like, look, episode one, and you guys have talked about this when you talk about Machete Order, nothing of consequence happens in episode <laughs> one. Um, but episode two, I feel like, from a, from a story, it, it's just hard to get through, man. Like, yeah, the slow. dialogue isn't great. The acting is mediocre. It, it, and I just, I, I don't feel that love story. I know they want me to, but it feels so forced. And I feel yeah. like I'm a creeper the whole time. Like, I don't want to. So yeah, our, it is for creepy. So, yeah. So our friend that, that is going through and watching them for the first time, I said, she's, she's not a kid. She's in her thirties and she's going through watching them for the first time. And she was very vocal about, she's like, Anakin and Padme cannot get together. Do not. And she's a big, and she's a big, like romantic movie watcher. And she's like, yeah. she's like, I've seen thousands of romantic movies. You cannot have those to get to. There's no, there's no chemistry. She mm. like, he was a child yeah. and she was, I know like technically, I guess is what 14 to nine is what the age difference yeah. is supposed to be in, in episode one. Um, but just like nobody was on board with that and she wasn't yeah. on board with that. So it's fun to see somebody on the outside kind of echo that same sentiment of like, nah, dog, these cannot get together. There, I mean, and, and, you know, as a fan and of all the movies, there's decent parts of two. Yeah. Like, I don't want to cut it all the way out, but I mean, Padme's, whole, Padme's midrift is, I mean, come on. The, it's the not that. At the end was amazing. She's got, she's got some solid outfit choices through that film, but yeah, like in general, I'm just like, oh, I don't need to see this one again on the big screen. Right. And seeing that many <laughs> Jedi in one place is, is really cool, but it, the yes. coolness of that does not outweigh the fact that Ewan McGregor, and I love Ewan McGregor. I'll watch Ewan McGregor do anything. Like, I've got a poster yeah. of, of Moulin Rouge in the, in the pod pad right here. Um, <laughs> but, like, uh, him just walking around a rainy factory is just, oh, my God. Like, it's so great. boring. There's, there's great plot points. There's some very important things that take place in that film. I don't know how that film has so much importance and is still so bad. Like, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> All right. Last question is either the easiest or the hardest of all of them. Okay. Aaron Joyner, what is your favorite Star Wars movie and why? Empire Strikes Back. I'm I'm a I'm a sucker for a movie uh, that doesn't quite go the way you expect it to go, which I yeah. think is is really why I'm so fond of Eight. I think it, it threw a lot of expectations out the window. Some might argue too many expectations, um, but I love that movie because I think it. it it's one of the first films that can, it can stand on its own. You can watch that movie by itself and walk away and have seen a whole story, but still have that nagging feeling of like, yeah, but, but what happened? Like, but I like, <laughs> it's so good. Like it, it ends and the bad guys are winning at the end of this movie, right? Like the empire has done all of the right things. And where are our heroes? Well, one's missing and, this guy is super terrible. And this, you know, like, Oh, this is really bad. Bummer for these guys. Um, I just like the way that movie is so hopeful through the whole thing. And at the end, it just 
ends on a downbeat. It's like, we can do it. We blew up the Death Star. We can do anything. Oh, but now our friends are gone and my hand is gone and those ships blew up and we don't have a home. And my dad. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, it's so much bad happens in it. But it, at the same time, that movie doesn't, it's not a heavy movie, right? Like, like so many bad points, but you finish that movie still feeling good overall about the direction things are going. You're like, yeah. okay, this is, this is a, this is like a bad Monday. Is, they got a case of the Mondays and they're going to come through. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to get there. Like you still feel good at the end. And I feel like that, that's just good storytelling all the way through that. Even with everything that's happened to these guys, you're like, no, nah, I'm, I'm sticking with you guys. I'm with you. I'm, I'm all the way through this. Yeah. So. It, it's, um, it's a, it's a bit of a, it's, it's a, I think case of the Mondays is a great way to put that. Right. Because, you know, Luke falls down uh, a big pit, but this is where we learn, you know what? Pits aren't that big a deal to Jedi. <laughs> that big of a deal. Through the okay. other side. Yeah. And, well, what if you're cut in half? You know, Give them mechanical legs. Yeah, that's okay. Great. Uh, yeah. I, I lost my hand, but I got a new one and it basically works exactly the same. And there's, there's a, there's a path forward. This is a, it was kind of, um, it was a tit for tat exchange. We took out the Death Star. We stopped their ability to destroy planets. And really, and, you know, comparatively, okay, they scattered the rebel forces to the winds and, you know, cut off Luke's hand. But, you know, comparatively, yeah, they still stopped them from destroying planets. Right, right. You're still kind of ahead, really, even though it didn't go the way you wanted to. It did end on a downer. And it was a slog, you know, it was a bummer for everybody involved. They, for, you never really felt that tension of challenges because they just kept winning in war which is fine it was great you build that momentum but now that for the first time they're feeling challenges and they're getting you know set back a bit um but they're still trying so i i think that's important to uh to any good character arc is that it's good to see look they can do stuff but you have to see them get deflated a little bit yeah you you have to know it ain't all roses and sunshine. Like just cause you're the good guy doesn't mean everything works out for you. Bad stuff happens. You'll lose friends along the way. You'll lose appendages, you know, like stuff goes wrong and you have to figure out how to come through all of that. In addition to the big bad at the end, it's not all blue milk and power converters. That's correct. <laughs> all right. Well, I've got to head out to, to Tashi station, so we should probably, uh, perfect. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining, Aaron. We really appreciate your uh, insight oh, into this. We Happy hope you'll come back someday, and we haven't scared you off, especially yeah, with that know. sudden drop of <laughs> difficult questions. They were real hard. I'm gonna have to go <laughs> and suck cave. some green milk right from the teat to get over. Oh it. no! Oh, you have to put that that image back in my mind. Oh, I've yeah, been purging it for it. years. Yeah. Make sure you like jump across with your spear first before you right. spear the fish then jump back instead of just spearing it from where you are but do that uh, without the force because you've separated yourself from the force but you're still a well, gymnast sure. i don't need that i just remember i remember how it was <laughs> exactly all right and speaking of remembering i remember that this has been general geekery specifically it's a podcast i've been ben i've been lou i'm still aaron awesome uh, thank you all for joining, uh, and I uh, hope you had fun, and uh, we'll see you next week. We'll bring back Grand Landfill and do some other stuff. Sounds great. See you guys. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. This has been a Broken Toys Studio production. Yeah, start good. Yay!
Yay, we did a podcast. All right, everybody go away. Cool. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to make, make mention of this is because Lou, you and Charlotte are both really good at like telling stories and keeping it concise and being like, here's the story and here's what, what I was going to tell. Um, First time I've ever heard of myself as concise, but yeah. Well, <laughs> sorry, you're not concise. No, that's the exact word. Uh,